yeah. And, and, you know, like, again, this is where NLP is so powerful. Like one of the most basic tool, one of the first things that you learn and yet one of the most powerful, even through Prack and Master Prack is the simple understanding of chunking up and chunking down. And whenever you're, you know, in an, in, a, in an interviewing state or in a conversation with anybody really, and you want a conversation to roll, if you only know how to chunk up and chunk down, the conversation will roll and it will roll naturally and you'll draw out really awesome information. And it's literally like the two questions. What's the purpose of that? Chunk up. What's the purpose of that? And specifically how, or specifically, what does that mean? Specifically explain. And, and that's it. So it's, so it's like, if, you know, you know what I mean? So if I say that, Oh, like um, two, two, two minds project is, uh and an ecosystem for people to come and connect to and you say oh cool what's the purpose of that and we go bigger oh well people come and connect to it so then that way we can all raise our consciousness together and what's the purpose of raising our consciousness together well it's so we can create planetary symbiosis oh really can you define planetary symbiosis right chunking down yeah sure planetary symbiosis is where each person creates a connection with themselves to get on the same frequency as the person next to them so then together we start to create a more powerful connection that expands. Oh, wow. And specifically, how does that work? Right? So see how I'm chunking down and I'm getting the detail now. Well, you see humans have a brain and we're an electrical being. And so we're run by electricity, meaning that we are run by a frequency. And so the, the connections that we feel are actually an electrical connection because again, we're an electrical being. Our nervous system is bringing electricity to us. So if we understand that the electricity we put out is the electricity we get back and it's how we create connections, then we know that that frequency is really important. Ah, cool. Specifically, how does that work? Does that make sense? And <laughs> Your brain is insane. Like, like, <laughs> so, I so like, part of me is always, okay, someone says something, I'm like, well, what's the purpose? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what's the purpose of that? And yeah. To, you know, dig down, like, go in and say what's like really coming up for them um because i don't like um i don't like not knowing <laughs> i like i like knowing how things run how things fully work. Um, yeah yeah and that's a that's a beautiful superpower to have as well and like one <laughs> of my highest values is curiosity and science equals curiosity in a lot of ways right and just as james was saying talking about chunking up and chunking down it's essentially our origin story of our business because if you've seen our logo on one side of the brain we have the mechanic right the mechanical mind the person who's specific and detail orientated and logical and chunks down 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 into the specifics they're generally the engineers of the world they're generally the scientists of the world they are um, the, the people that that can create processes out of everything and then James is still waiting up there because he wants me to explain the dynamic part. So then there's the dynamic side of things, right? Which is chunked up, super chunked up to the purpose of life. What is huge? What are these huge uh, dynamic future-based um, creations that we have in our life, right? Where we can continually chunk up and chunk up and chunk up to these huge patterns that are interconnected with how reality works and why we're here. Like all of these big, big picture things. So the mechanic works somewhat in the past with history and evidence and data and the dynamic works in the future with ideas, interconnection patterns. Um, and this is what we realized in ourselves, particularly when it came to a communication method was that 
to better communicate between us as friends because we've known each other since we were really young, like 11 or 12 years old, um, we had to create better communication. And we realized that I'm a mechanic and he's a dynamic. And as soon as we realized that those language patterns are explained very well in neurolinguistic programming through this chunking up and chunking down process, we're like, we're just talking on two different ends of the spectrum. And two different languages. Two different languages completely. So as soon as we realized that, we're like, we need to tell people about this. Because <laughs> we would always come to the same point. We'd, we'd always come to the same point and wonder why we'd, we would get into some sort of confrontation about the conversation, you know? And then we're like, why do we keep coming to the same point? But we, we feel like we didn't understand each other. It made no sense until we realized that we're speaking two different languages. And how did you learn all that? A lot of arguments and... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah like any like any um relationship between friends yeah like through a lot of arguments um through a lot of reading and through a lot of listening to podcasts and a lot of learning ourselves through personal development um james came about neurolinguistics quite early on and sort of just dabbled in it for a while and then particularly when we really dived into investing into nlp in ourselves and understanding language and the gravity of it um, that is the moment that we really became aware of how important communication is and understanding ourselves on a far deeper level, particularly when it comes to language, because language in a lot of ways is the most powerful tool, because it is a tool that humans have ever created. And we forget that so often that it's not just a self-expression. Each word that we put out into the world holds a certain gravity and creates ripples in reality and so often we throw out of the, we throw out all of these ripples that create reactions without truly understanding the weight of the word and yeah for us understanding the weight of these words has been our mission in ourselves and it's developed into a really powerful relationship within our business and i think one of the most important aspects of that is we stopped we stopped blaming each other for it and realize that you know what it's it's probably not his fault that this that this that these that these confrontations are happening it's probably mine and i wonder how i'm causing it and i wonder what i need to do to change the outcome and we were both on a really great aligned mission of of, of going in, in going inside for in all areas of health both our bodies both our mindsets both our environment and when we started to take responsibility for our own shit and take responsibility for our own realities and realize that we actually cause everything within ourselves. We realize, well, it, like it's got nothing to do with him. Like, it's not that he's not listening to me. It's that he's speaking a different language. Some, and it's my some, problem for Sometimes not. I do. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And, and you know what? I don't blame him because I wouldn't listen to me all the time either. <laughs> and, and so when you start going like, like getting into the model of the world of the other person and realizing that again, like, what you feel and what you're thinking is a reflection of your model of the world. Mm. Then you start having that ability to change the outcome and your relationships get stronger because you start mm. actually thinking about what the other person needs. I used to get really frustrated when someone, especially my kids, uh, didn't understand what I was saying and what I was asking. And like, why can't you just hear me? Like, I, I just didn't understand until I realized that everyone speaks differently. Everyone has a different language. 
Yeah. So I was uh, talking to my son and he was getting really frustrated at me. Um, and he couldn't understand my way of thinking. So I sat him down and I said, by me, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to be a good parent and allowing structure, um, making sure you get enough sleep time. This isn't just me because he thought that I just didn't want to spend time with him or I didn't want him staying up late. And it was all about me trying to be a better parent. And when I sat him down and told him that, he was like, oh, but I just, I kind of just want to hate you right now. <laughs> and, and yeah, he was, um, and then all of a sudden he just like, he understood because I communicated that with him. Um, yeah, so I just felt like sharing that bit. Just, uh, yeah, even especially yeah. with kids, like my um, my youngest, he, he gets very, very angry and very frustrated absolutely everything. And it's taking at least maybe five or six years to be able to sit down and have a conversation with him about why he's feeling a certain way. Because I can't just go, what's wrong? That's the big no-no when it comes to communicating with him. Um, so I need to pretty much go down to his level and just start talking about what's happening. And then he actually starts to try and communicate that back to me about what, what he is actually feeling. And it's taken a long time to be able to do that. Yeah, and so and so this is that question about <clears throat> starting to starting to put your need, starting to recognize what your needs are specifically as a person. And then when you view somebody else, to view them for what their needs are, not what your needs are. And so most humans expect somebody else to need the same thing as you need without understanding that everyone's needs are different. And it also it sounds to me like, and th and throw this back, and, and I only just started listening for it. But it sounds to me like you're you're an auditory Enjoy. thinker, right? So your primary representational system is auditory. So you mentioned that he can't hear you, and you mentioned about communication, about talking. So you're mentioning about sounds, right? So for you, sounds are important. Hence conversations with three. Hence that you really love doing a podcast because you like talking because you're an auditory, you're an auditory person, right? But then there's visuals and there's kinesthetics and there's audio digitals. And so when you're communicating with somebody else, and for example, your son, figuring out whether he's a visual, a kinesthetic, an auditory or an audio digital is also really important because then you're communicating within his primary representational system and his ability to intake the information and perceive it dramatically rises. So the way we listen for this is we listen for the predicates, which are those little cues like, like he can't hear me, yeah? Talking, conversations, sound predicates. Are you listening? And do you get frustrated when someone doesn't hear you, when someone doesn't listen to you? Do you get frustrated when you don't feel heard, right? And so it starts to show you who you are on a deep level. And so this is the same thing when someone's kinesthetic, they'll tell you about how they feel. And I feel this and I feel that, and this isn't quite aligned with me. So they're talking about kinesth a kinesthetic predicate system. So when you speak to them back and you repeat stuff back to them, if you speak to them in kinesthetic terms like do you feel this are you aligned with what i'm saying then all of a sudden their unconscious mind takes in 10 times more information mm -hmm. and then for me i'm audio digital so i need i take information in think about it and repeat it back to myself and and, and i hear it and it talk and, and i have lots of self-talk happening in my head mm -hmm. and so sometimes it takes 
sometimes it takes a while because I'm computing and I'm joining dots and I'm talking about it in my mind and I'm creating something new. So for example, like with, with my partner, like sometimes when something's said, I'll stop and I'll listen and I'm internally framed. So everything's happening internally, not externally for me. And to, and to a, another person who might be externally framed and might be very visual, like, like my partner is, sometimes that's like, do you, did you not, did you not, do you not see, see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Notice, see what I'm saying? Do you not see my point of view? And I'm actually just still processing because I'm processing in a different way. Cause I take the world in through a different, um, through, through a different, through a different filter. system. Yeah. Through a different filter. And then you start talking about things like love languages, right? And love languages being how do you actually fulfill your needs? You know, is it quality time that you love? Is it words of affirmation? Is it gifts? Is it, um, physical touch um what's the other one that i missed words of affirmation quality um is it acts of service my my, my love language actually is <laughs> yeah, it acts of service and so and so then people start thinking like it's like i'm, I'm trying to give you a gift mm. and, and it should be making you feel better because mm. gifts are my highest my highest need right and they don't know and they keep giving gifts and keep giving gifts and, and start wondering why why does this person not feel better and it's because that person's love language their primary source of need is not coming from gift giving it's coming from quality time or it's coming from physical touch and so we're constantly doing things in our model of the world and not actually asking the other person what do you need not listening for their predicates to see how their model of the world works and to put this into an even deeper context though chunking down even further into the specifics our brain is like a computer it's like a processor right and like a computer, we can only take in so much information at any one time. So when it comes to our primary representational system, like our filter that we take in reality through our senses, through our five senses, and then also our cheeky sixth sense as well, which is self-talk, when we're taking in that, uh, that uh, information from the world, from reality, it's as if we're getting thrown 20 million matchsticks at our face, 20 million pieces of information, right? And those bits of information, we can actually only catch somewhere between 50 and 100 of them. So we catch 50 or 100 of these matchsticks. 136. 136. There you go. He's got the dynamic answer for you. And then from, from that amount, we can actually only process um, somewhere from, it was about 8 to 10, isn't it? Yeah, about, 8 to 11. About, about 8 to 11 of those matchsticks. So you can imagine when we have these conversations with people and these interactions with everything around us, we literally have 20 million matchsticks thrown at our face and we're only grabbing eight of them. So when we're using language, when we're using physiology, when we're using all of our methods to communicate with someone, they're so, so important because it's going to allocate and talk directly to that person's unconscious mind and program what information they're gonna take in. So every time that we decide to choose what language we use, whether we're saying, how are you feeling? What is today, you know, what does that sound like? He's not hearing me. This language, the physiology, the tone that we use, everything that we use as a human to emotionally connect and communicate with each other becomes so much more important. And then you can become far more powerful at actually communicating between people because now you're aware of it. And then so from that point there, it's just understanding that 95% of our entire world is unconscious because we don't think about breathing, not often anyway. We don't think about walking 
our actual legs physically to work every every day. We don't think about uh, blinking our eyes, but this stuff all happens. And just like that, there's a whole bunch of mental processes that also happen in the background. So in understanding that the more that we can program ourselves to be more effective as an unconscious learner and an, un an unconscious being, so that the 5% of our life, which is conscious, can just be running in flow and in uh, freedom to be able to be a human without our unconscious mind fighting against us all the time, the more effective human that we can be, like the more effective person that we can be at communicating with other people. Did we just, did we just look in, inside your soul a little bit? Inf information. <laughs> that is the only way to really kind of express that. Like, when you were talking, okay, so I used to be, and I'm not going to say used to be because I, I sometimes still do, very resistant and someone would say something and it's like a huge block. Like I I wouldn't feel anything until later and then I get annoyed. But <laughs> I'm starting to, and I've started to open up more and I can feel things. So, and I've spoken about this before, but um if I get triggered about something, or I, I usually feel pain, and the pain is in my arms and my legs, and I, I, it's it gets to a, like probably six or seven out of ten, like it's almost unbearable. And now I just get this kind of like a flutter kind of feeling in my chest here. Um, it's just funny because I get I get that in the same place I get anxiety and excitement, and I know it's around the same. It's it's pretty much the same kind of thing. Um, depending on the way you look at it. So when you were talking, I could feel what you were saying. And then when Craig was talking, it's like everything was starting to click and it was like all coming in one, like click. Click. incredible. <laughs> click is a great predicate for an auditory person. Yeah, it was funny because what? I've always been visual, but I, hear what you're saying and i'm like wow it sounded sound is like a really powerful thing for me i just didn't realize it and and like when you said it, it's like ah yeah that's yeah that's that's me i do that <laughs> and you're likely high, highly visual as well that's true um you're likely highly visual as well and in this and in this specific case like when, when it comes to communication it it, it becomes more obvious that that auditory is is that is your primary system right and they can be very close but it, it, it definitely becomes more obvious that it's your primary system and it's also interesting because i noticed that you're wearing glasses uh i had glasses when i was younger as well um and it's funny because sometimes we train these representational filter filtration systems based on what we go through when we're at a younger age so from until i was about i think 14 years old I did not know that my eyes were bad. And then I remember being in a classroom and one of my best friends went behind my back and told our teacher, hey, I don't think you can see the board properly. So that was the moment that I realized I had poor eyesight. And I ended up wearing glasses for probably the next five or six years until I had laser eye surgery. But only recently did I realize that in doing so, having poor eyesight through my modeling stage of zero to seven, and then even through the next stage of my life, I unconsciously train myself to be very high in auditory as well. So my auditory is super switched on and I use a lot of that even though I'm primarily kinesthetic. 
So there's a lot of things that can go on within like our modeling stage of our life as well that design the way that our filter works in our body and in our brain. See, I always knew that I needed glasses. I just didn't want to wear them. And I would go through the pain of not being able to see <laughs> just because I didn't want to wear glasses. And it wasn't until about maybe seven years ago, I got my eyes checked, the usual, you need glasses. And I was only going to wear them for going on the computer. And then all of a sudden I could see things, like things are clear. <laughs> but now I, um, I, I can't take them off without, um, almost like feeling pressure on my eyes. I just, um, yeah, and the thought of uh, laser eye surgery, that's a little scary to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really invasive, but keep wearing the glasses, they make you look smart, so. Oh, <laughs> I look smart. Being, yeah, that, makes, that goes along with being very intellectual as well, so. <laughs> Coherence. James is doing his AD thing right now as well, his audio digital where he's talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just listening to 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 your 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 descriptions of a few things and, and your um your program of pain. Your program of pain. Is this is this okay to speak about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but just because I get triggered by something doesn't mean you shouldn't speak about it in fact it means you should speak about it more <laughs> yeah i just want to i just want to put this put this out there and i've noticed that you're that you have that you, that you do run a program of pain in areas and specifically your program of pain and how you see it how you view it and with your glasses for example you said that i i avoided i i got i avoided the pain of not being able to see and so in NLP, we would look at, we would listen for that and we would say something along the lines of what pain are you avoiding seeing? What pain is there? What pain exists that you are trying not to see? It, it came down to, I, I was bullied every single day throughout primary school and high school. And the thought of giving them more ammunition was, it was too painful to do that. So it was less painful not to see than it was and is that, to do that. And, that. and that pain, that pain still exists, right? It's subtle, but it still exists. Mm. And I wonder if the pain didn't exist, I wonder whether you would see the world differently. And I wonder whether your eyesight can now just improve. <laughs> you got me with that one. <laughs> oh. mm. Wow. Yeah. And so the question is, do you want to continue living with the pain and avoiding looking at it? Or are you ready to see the pain in a new light? To notice that the pain is only a program and it wants you to see what lessons there are to see 
so you can release it and you can let it go and you can move forward without it and see the future without pain. And then with that, from that position, you would truly be listening to yourself and listening to your body. Mm. Yeah. And this is a conversation that we can continue <laughs> outside of this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And well, and well done because, because I know that this is a big one and you, and you can see what, what exists. And as human beings, we, we are very, very good at everything we do. We're not bad at anything. We're really awesome at everything. And sometimes what we're really awesome at is not ecological, right? Is, is not, is not what we want to be awesome at. And we're really good at suppressing stuff. Do you know what I mean? And we're really good at, 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 at covering up things to keep, to keep them suppressed, like within our unconscious mind. And we find ways of working around them. Yeah. And so, you know, it's our passion in life and the reason we do what we do and the reason that we've been as successful as we have been in a relatively short amount of time was facing those programs and making a decision that what if none of them are really real? What if we have complete control over them and we get to choose what programs we want to run? And sometimes it's scary to lean into that and to, and to run up the fear because it is scary like to face that because of how much shit we stack up on top of them. However, it's also very liberating and it changes your whole entire world when you, when you, when you choose to make that choice. And it's interesting because on a cellular level, we can only ever have two options. It's the idea of being that we're binary beings. We either choose zero or we choose one, yes or no, or black or white. And this idea is that as a cell, a cell can only do one or two things. If it's in an environment that it feels safe and it feels comfortable, the cell is going to reproduce because it thinks it's doing the right thing. However, if the cell then gets like introduced to some kind of adversity or something that it needs to overcome, then it needs to evolve from that position, right? But it's scary. It's a really scary triggering moment for the cell to be able to go through that position. And it's difficult. It uses a lot of energy and it's conflicting against what it's already been programmed to do. So from that point, a cell can either evolve and challenge the adversity or it can reproduce and continue doing what it's always done. And it's just a lot like everything else in life because that's our cellular makeup. In life, we make those two decisions all the time. Do we challenge ourselves and push past that resistance that we have in our body that makes us feel uncomfortable so that we can evolve? Because as a conscious being, we can make that decision. Or do we continue reproducing the same kind of behaviors and the same strategies that we've done our whole life? So we only now, as a conscious being and as a conscious uh, human thinker, have the ability to be able to um, rewire that software we're not inhibited by it anymore we can if we want even though we're in an environment that feels safe and comfortable and maybe serving us in whatever way that it is we can choose to put ourselves into adversity because we know it'll help us evolve mm. um before i cut out before before you went all heavy and Feel all that. <laughs> um, 
This will probably be the third time that I've talked about it in a podcast in the last four podcasts that I've done is the love languages. Cool. And, um, and the more that you talk about audio, the more that I can say it. So I'm, I'm words. <laughs> I need to hear it. I need words of affirmation. I need people to tell me. They appreciate me. That's a big one that they appreciate me. If I feel unappreciated, I, um, yeah, I get really antsy. <laughs> and a lot of, and I know that a lot of people know that that's my language. So when they say they appreciate me, I know that they're doing it because they know that I need to hear it, but I still get all the, the chemicals and everything anyway. So I, yeah, I love it. Um, but I also, I communicate differently. Like I, I don't do words. I just feel them. <laughs> so mine are, uh, was acts of service and gifts. Yeah. Always doing something for someone else yeah 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 definitely um and, and and this is where it's like this is where it's then like you know curious and important for for parents and partners and, and even friends to kind of know like well like, like what is the love language of our children like what's the lo love language of our partner of the people we spend time with as well so then that way we know that we're in their model of the world when something's up particularly if something is up for them like particularly if they're going through something the filter you need to use is the filter that is their primary need you know and if you, and if you recognize that that love language for them then you can feed them information in such a way that you can change their state and you can help them come out of a, of a, of a tough situation because they're actually getting their needs met mm. Mm. yeah and this this comes back down to the to almost to that cellular level that you're talking about before because just like in um in Cody's uh, epigenetics courses, right? There's a level of safety needs that need to be met before people that are in troubling situations or in problem solving situations are going to be willing to put themselves into adversity so that they can evolve through these things. So if we can start to meet some of these needs of safety and allow people to be in comfort zones for different positions of what they have in their life, then we can allow that little bit of extra space to give them a bit of a push into something that's going to help them evolve out of whatever they need to evolve out of as well. Mm. It's a prime directive of the unconscious mind, isn't it? Yeah, to protect oneself. Going what you said before about people needing stuff like NLP, even things like this, just because I could have saved a lot of time if I knew that there were multiple languages out there to communicate where because I only had this one stage of thinking why can't you just do it the way I do it why aren't you understanding what I'm saying and yeah a lot of frustration with relationships and friends that's just gone different ways just because it came down to communication and it wasn't just about talking about my feelings but understanding my needs understanding their needs and yeah i just think that's really important <laughs> well, yeah exactly like uh, no, knowing our knowing our projections is so vital because most people are just living through their projection projecting it on somebody else 
thinking that that's that, that person's when in actual fact it's all you. <laughs> I've found um, a couple of times I'll be going through something. Um, like when uh, my son was having brain surgeries and um, people uh, sending me messages saying, you must feel like this. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I find that because they haven't experienced what I'm experiencing, they're kind of projecting their feelings onto me, like yeah. the way they and, can be feeling. And the issue with this stuff is it then becomes your self-talk without you actually consenting to it. Mm. And whether you like it or not, it starts to program you. So when I played the story of anxiety for four and a half years, before I decided to, that that was a part of my identity, before I decided to play that story and do anxiety, notice I'm not identifying with it, right? Notice I'm saying it was a decision. It's not yeah. a part of me. It's, it, it's just something I was doing. The, the reason that that, that that became the story I played is because the person that I was with was highly anxious and experiencing a life that identified with anxiety in a, in a huge way. And although I was the one trying to save them and trying to be the rock, their self-talk model and their words that were consistently playing in my world unconsciously became my own and then i decided to start playing the same story and i didn't realize but this is what happens so then the idea of who's around us and when when we're going through shit and people are sending us these messages and telling us how we must feel and we're seeing the same words repeated over and over and we read it it starts to unconsciously circulate in our mind and we can we can capture that program without even knowing and so this is where being super conscious of deciding what you will take in and what you will push away is very important. And when someone does, when you are hearing those messages or there's people who are, who are trying to get you to listen to their crap and, be, and then being at the effect, it's so important to consciously say, to consciously reject that information into your life. So you're not going to unconsciously play their pattern. And that's why they say you're the five people you spend the most time with, right? Because not, not only is it the frequency, but it's the words. Like notice how when you have a close friend group, everyone uses the same words. Everyone uses the same phrases. Everyone uses the same examples. We're sponges. We, we create this ball of, of consciousness that we all sit inside of. <laughs> and so then his self-talk becomes my self-talk and their self-talk becomes my self-talk. And we don't even realize we're in this ball. And that's why when one person decides to grow, they often leave their group behind unless the group decides to grow as well because now they took the ball off their head and they hear different things and they're listening to different programs. Does this make sense? Yeah. And so, and so it's just, it's so vital to understand that proximity is power, but it's also the opposite, right? If you're in proximity with, with shit you'll get shit toxicity and that's what that's that's why a big toxicity is toxicity yeah so so this this is a big reason why and the quote really resonates with me is that self-talk is fake news right so the the real 
the real um, so good distinction to make here. Yeah, it's bringing little Donald Trump into so the room. <laughs> Whether he came up with that word or not, I don't believe it. But it's this idea that we need to realize that we need to make a very, very strong distinction, right? That, like I was saying earlier, we have five senses. But what if we just said that the sixth sense is actually our self-talk model? So we don't identify as our smells, do we? We don't identify as the way that we see and we don't identify as the way that we hear. So why do we decide to identify as if our self-talk model, the words that are floating around our head, that are talking to us like a little person there telling us how to live our life all the time. Why do we so often as humans decide to identify as that that's us, that that's our own mind telling us that things? It's really not, it's 100% not. This is just another sense that your brain is picking up for you to filter through and choose what you want to allow into your conscious world. So these words and these, uh, these concepts that constantly come into our, into our model of the world are literally there to be filtered. And we notice, we notice this very strongly if anyone listening to this right now, if anyone actually does meditation and does powerful just in your own element meditation where you do a bit of breath work and you just focus on allowing thoughts to come up and then noticing that you have the thought and then come back to the breath. What these mindfulness meditations do is allow you to slowly drift from your conscious mind and into your unconscious mind, into your body. And this justifies this idea that self-talk is just a sense. Because what you'll notice is when you do do breath work and you do do meditation and you sink into your body, the self-talk model disappears. You no longer have it. There's no longer any words that are floating around your mind. Everything that you are internalizing and projecting is in your body and therefore you can now understand that these words and everything that is there floating there is not real. It's not real at all, but you allow it to become real because you're the conscious being that allows things to filter into your life. Mm. <laughs> While you were talking, I had like a thousand different thoughts then that were just going everywhere. Um, yeah, like I found during meditation that, uh, yeah, I get lost in my thoughts. As soon as a thought comes, another one, and then another one, another one, all of a sudden I have a, I'm making some kind of to-do list in my head of something to do yeah. after I finish meditation, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of it. Yeah. So there's, there's multiple different types of meditations you can do. And I think the two different, um, ends of the spectrum is that one you can create these visualizations and really dive deeper into your thoughts and see what's available for you there on the quantum and really see what happens within this space that there is no time but then you can also decide to focus on mindfulness which is literally just allowing a thought to pop into your mind and then when it does realizing it's there and let it float away come back to your breath come back to your body sink back into your unconscious part of your mind and what this actually trains, it's not meant to be some sort of spiritual awakening, right? It's not meant to be something that's wild, that completely changes your life. And you have some experience when you're sitting there with your eyes closed. No, what it's meant to do is that it's training and practicing yourself to allow thoughts to dissipate quickly. 
so that when you have an argument the next day after you've practiced doing these these uh, processes of meditation consistently that when you're having this argument with your partner you can allow the self-talk model to just dissipate and clear your mind so that you can think quicker so that you can allow it to disappear so that you can actually be logical rather than being stuck in this uh this element of reaction rather than response and caught in a loop and on the other side of the coin as well the space that you allow yourself to think is very important and what happens less and less nowadays with with social media and with, with devices and with the, a world of instant responses is human beings avoid something that's called scatter focus and scatter focus is extremely important because it allows you to finish thoughts. So what happens is in this like day and age, people are so attached to their devices and so attached to this world, again, of instant gratification and instant responses all of the time that they get onto a train of thought and then they get an interruption within, 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 and I think by memory, the official statistic is 40 seconds. So, so on average, we have a 40 second thought before it's interrupted by something these days. Mm. So what we're not doing is getting into the mode of scatter focus, which is where you have no distractions and you actually allow your mind to go here and there and everywhere and pull all the dots in that you may think are random that have no connection, but actually allow your mind enough time to show you what it's creating. And so sometimes you need to sit without distractions. You need to sit in your own mind. And although it look, might look like chaos to you, if you allow your unconscious mind to do what it's best at, it's going to bring you information. It's going to bring you answers. It's going to bring you things to create that you may never have expected were there because it all of a sudden has the length of time that it needs to join all the dots and show it to you in something that you can perceive as uh, uh, as, as obvious or as visual or as tangible but because people are so distracted they have a thought and then distracted and a thought and then just and then it's just it appears to be chaos ah oh, there's all these random things and they don't mean anything blah, blah blah like but it's just because we haven't given it the length of time and scatter focus is really really important and that's another awesome reason to meditate totally because you're putting yourself in this in this in this in this mode of away from distractions and actually just allowing yourself to think, allowing the thoughts to come and go and come and go and come and go. And then you come out of the meditation and that's generally where you have the download. And you go, whoa, I just, oh, wow, hang on. That one and that one and that one and that one just created a picture and holy shit, I never considered this. Yeah, and, and what I think what we constantly forget as humans today is that what we learn as unconscious abilities or as actual conscious abilities as well in our life translate directly to everything else. So it's this idea that for some reason we think that we need to train something and it's only specifically going to get us this outcome. Like training, training this is only going to get us one outcome. But whereas learning scatter focus or learning meditation, learning these things, actually what they do in your brain is they create a highway. So like our neurons actually create a neural bridge and if you think of it like a highway, building it in the middle of a city, if you're training something like uh, scatter focus, for example, you've now built this highway that allows this to chain off 
into different directions to assist all of the other stuff that you're learning in life. And so often we just think that we're training one thing, but we're actually training something, a skill that creates a highway to be able to be utilized for so many other skills in our life. And a lot of the way that education is changing now is uh, particularly online, like on a lot of more online universities is really leaning into this idea of teaching and educating people on all of these unconscious, unconscious facets of their life. So that when they reach the age of 20 or 30, they're like, I don't know how I know how to do business. I just do. And what's actually happened is that someone has, um, we were just talking to someone the other day about it, where their parents had challenged them to sell stuff when they were really young like when they were in that modeling stage, right? And now they're one of the most successful entrepreneurs that we know. And just from one action, right? Just from this one little action of realizing that unconsciously training some of these things into our life is going to be exponential later on, rather than trying to get instant gratification because it's, it's, it's an investment. Have you, noticed, have you noticed how when you like listen to interviews or you read stories about the greatest minds on earth who innovate, who innovate humankind, who push people for evolution, they often have these weird quirky little like rituals that they would do. So Einstein is one of the best, was one of the best ones, right? Like, like most people know that Einstein, when he would get into a bind, he would get into his rowboat and he would row out into the middle of of this, of just, he would just row and row and row. And he used to get rescued all the time. He was mm. such a bad sailor and he would get lost and he would just be found floating there looking up at the sky. And that was his ritual, right? But every time he did that, he would solve a problem. Why? Because he was inducing scatter focus. Mm. So when you notice these great thinkers and these great minds, they purposely gave themselves an outlet to induce scatter focus away from everything else away from all distractions to allow their mind to complete a thought to allow their mind to think in a different space in a different realm in a different dimension to find new answers and new outcomes and we do that every single day mm. we like have you ever played out an entire scenario as if like you you're, you're about to go to work and you know that you're going to have an argument with your boss and you decide to play out the entire scenario as if it's going to play out like, you know, all of the all of the options that you could possibly take to get to that scenario, you play it out. And in doing so, not only are you telling your brain that you've done it, but you're also telling your brain that that's a possible future. And now your brain is wired to try and find that future for you. So this is so important as to why when when we hear these quotes of like, focus on what you want, you know, and to focus on the positive, they sound really silly, but the more that you dive into them, the more that you can actually visualize and step into and feel and hear all of these, uh, these possibilities that happen through your future, make it more possible for you to actually train um, the reticular part of your brain. So it actually looks for these things unconsciously in your, in, in your life. You know, like I, I, was just at the, I was just at the gym a few months ago and for whatever reason, I was I was reading like an article about um, about quantum and the quantum, you know quantum sciences, and I was like, oh, it's really interesting. I kind of want to invite more of this into my life. And I went back to this gym that I went I've been at day after day after day for the last year, right? Every single day. And I came out of the doorway after just sort of exploring this, right? It was just crazy. 
came out of the doorway and I walked past a sign that I have seen, I've seen it every single day for a year, but somehow my brain hadn't noticed that there was a quantum health center right there, like on this sign right next to where I parked every single day. So I had programmed myself in the morning. I told um, the, the reticulating part of my brain. Reticular activating system. Yeah, exactly. The RAS to essentially look out for it. I said, hey, look out for this in my life because I want to see more of it. And I asked it very specifically to do that and it gave that to me. So, so this, is, this, is why the, this is why the science behind um, the label that a lot of people look at as manifestation is very, very real because it's just an unconscious, it's an unconscious piece of software that we are entitled to using if we want to use it. Your words are commands, direct commands to your unconscious mind, telling it what to do. And only 5% of what you do is conscious, 95% is unconscious. So it's what you're telling your unconscious mind that matters. And, you, and you're just consciously acting some stuff out that you may notice. However, when you, like Craig said, create an ultimate reality and replay a situation in your head and every aspect of how you think it's going to go, it's amazing when you get into that situation and it goes exactly like that. Mm. Oh, this is going to be bad. And, and we're, we're probably going to get into an argument and they, that person's going to disagree with me and holy crap, this, that, and, and the other, and the other, right? And then you get into that situation and it happens and you think, but it wasn't my fault. It was them. And it's because what we're not realizing is you're only doing, you're only looking at, you're only actually conscious of 5% of what you're doing. 95% of what you did in that interaction was what you told your unconscious mind you wanted, which was an awkward conversation with conflict that you were going to disagree. And so 95% of what you did physiologically, yeah, like biologically, verbally, all 95% of what you did was unconscious to you. You didn't know you did it. However, that communication was communicating with their 95%. And so it achieved what you wanted to achieve, which was what you didn't want to happen. And that's why when we, when we focus on what we don't want, we find it because it's no different. Like it's just because we say we don't want it doesn't make a difference to our unconscious mind. It doesn't hear what you don't want. It just sees the detail that you're creating in your mind and it finds a way to get you there. And your reticular activating system looks for the detail and brings it to you consciously. So you can walk past the same sign every single, like every single day. And then the day you put the command in your mind, you see it, you get it right. You, you, you get what you focus on and what you focus on is what you choose to tell your mind that you want to find. We really are as humans, we have limitless potential. We are super powerful beings. What we are capable of is insane it's absolutely insane and we know this because we on a very very large level are manifesting all of this stuff into our life that we don't necessarily want and we see it every day we see it every single day and we're unaware of our own projection there's a really great thing that i've been doing with my clients lately and this is a really great thing that anyone that's listening may be interesting for you to do and this is a, a perfect way to manifest what you want in anything, right? Consciously well, create. Right, yeah. Or as we like to call it, create conscious coincidence because manifestation sounds like magic, but it's a process and we create conscious coincidences all the time. Science. Science. And, and the example that I love to use is to ask somebody like truly, 
what is what is your ideal partner tell me what they look like tell me what they sound like tell me what they feel like tell me what they do tell me everything and then i get my client to tell me all about their ideal partner and i write it all down yeah they're this and they're that and blah 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 this and this is going to blow your mind by the way it's it yeah it's very effective yeah (laughs) and so we end up with a parrot like a full paragraph generally like a quite a detailed response and i keep asking specifically asking more about specifics cool and specifically what what about this and specifically what about that and tell me about their body and tell me about the way they look and tell me about the way they think and how are they with family and so on and so forth, yeah, and extract as much information about their ideal partner as possible. And then turn the page around and show them who they need to be. Because your ideal partner is you. And when you reflect all of those things, your ideal partner walks into your life. Because you notice it. Because you're thinking about it consistently about yourself. You're working on every detail of what you want in another person, which becomes what you want in yourself. So when you know, when you have it all in yourself, you notice it in somebody else and they just appear. So in life, you don't get what you want. You get who you are. So you don't need to search out there. You only need to search in here. That's it. Like where, where, so the, so then the question is, this is you, this is your projection of your ideal partner. Where are you, your ideal partner? And more importantly, where aren't you your ideal partner? And what do you need to do to fulfill every piece of what you want in your life? And when you, and you don't even have to fulfill every piece. All you need to do is begin acting towards fulfilling every piece, doing the actions, having the self-talk, that pushes you towards achieving all those things that you want. And then lo and behold, a person walks into your life and you go, whoa, where did you come from? And this is so, so empowering when you truly, truly understand it because you are no longer in the effect of life trying to change everything outside of you. You are now the cause of everything in your reality and you can change everything about yourself. You can change it in an instant. Your identity can be something completely different in one moment. And literally, as that moment happens, you could walk out of the front, you know, the front door of your house. And in that moment, your ideal partner is there, standing there. Like instantly. It's, it's literally that. And this, this is not obviously just for, this is not just for relationships. This is for anything that you want in life. What do you want in life? Who do you need to be together? So, no, I'm feeling every word you're saying. And it's like, like, I want to kind of jump out of my skin because I'm just so, um, like, this is, this is good stuff. This is. It's powerful. It's really powerful. And Do you, are you like, honestly, like writing, like, honestly, writing down everything about your ideal partner and looking at it and asking yourself, what am I and what aren't I? And then figuring out how do I get all the things that I'm not right now will change your world as a person. Completely. And just actioning each one of those points with the tiniest little step. So not looking at it as if like you're going to take, uh, you know, in one month or three months or 12 months, I'm going to be this. Literally like, what am I going to do in the next 30 seconds 
to be able to take one step in the direction of this identity who I want to be and do that for every single thing that you've written down and you'll have one more vote for each of those things towards the identity of your future self. And notice where you wrote everything you didn't want them to be and turn it into what you want. Yes. Rather than focusing on what you don't want. Because what are you going to find if you focus on what you don't want? More of that. <laughs> yeah. So what I was going to say was um, a couple of months ago, I, I felt like I was going through this identity shift where I'm, I was starting to leave behind behaviours that weren't serving me and stepping into this This, this it felt like it was stepping into this new part of me who I wanted to be and I was really frustrated and so I sat down and I wrote down the things that I enjoyed because I didn't know what I wanted to be doing I wrote things everything I enjoyed and I also wrote things everything that I love in people that inspire me in in mentors and all of these things and I forgot about that Yesterday I found that and I found that list and I realized every one of those things I've embodied that in the last two months without even realizing that's what I was doing. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it was just uh, kind of like a real surreal moment where I was just, I knew that I was focusing on it, but I wasn't focusing specifically on it. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be focused. I wanted to be determined. I wanted to um, be passionate. And that's what I've been doing for the last couple of months. Um, yeah, but when you talk about the whole relationship thing, don't read into that. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's an interesting one and definitely something I, I will be doing. And um I was going to jump in before, but when you two get on a roll, it's like, there's no way I'm interrupting. Like, <laughs> this is really, really great stuff. Like um, my heart's been jumping like the whole time. And when you you're stop sign the for us, put up a stop sign. <laughs> 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 um, so when you're talking about wearing the conscious, you talk about wearing the consciousness. Um, another thing people talk about is sitting at like certain tables. And I felt like, um, yeah, I've been moving from table to table recently and leaving certain tables behind, um, which I felt like hasn't been an easy process, but it's something I also needed to do rather than wanted to do. And so I'm every week I, I'm learning about epigenetics. I'm, I'm watching people's lives. I'm, I'm learning more about the consciousness and energy and all these things and then I go back to this table and I talk the way that I've been talking in all these circles and everything and they look at me like I'm weird and they don't understand what I'm saying and I have to explain it to them and they still just don't get it um yeah it's just it feels like just jumping into like kind of like a different reality what if you didn't have to explain it to them they just stare at me like oh, yeah okay mm. didn't have to explain it just go with it yeah 
it's a good conversation. The, the table, the tables conversation is exceptionally important. We've changed our table multiple times in the last 12 months and it, and it gets, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger consistently all the time. And to grow, you need to sit at the table with people who are already doing what you want to do, who are where you want to be. Right. And with that, you start to share that frequency. You start to share that self-talk. You start to share that hat of consciousness. And so then you start to embody it. Right. So yeah, the table you sit at is exceptionally important. And this morning in coffee and consciousness, you got to see our new table. You're right with, with, Australia's number one NLP coach sitting right beside me with her whole team in the room with Australia's number one leadership coach, Cody McCullough in the room as well. Yeah. With Australia's most successful Brazilian with people who are running nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one figure businesses. And the more we upgrade that table, the quicker we grow and the less need we feel to have to explain things to people who are choosing not to grow. And when they decide they want to grow, then they can ask yeah. and they'll get the world when they ask. But the point is like, it has to come from you, right? Like you, you have to want it. And as the person across the table, like we said at the beginning, like if you want it more than they do, then there's something within you. <laughs> that needs to be addressed, not them. And, and so it's, it's that like idea of dropping, like dropping need, our needs, our need for this, our need for that, so on and so forth. That as we grow, we get better at doing and we drop more and more and more, more needs. And we start to realize that stepping into that, to that shoes of cause and, and, and living our own purpose inspires others to do the same. And we impact more people by just doing. Mm. I, I've come across people that don't understand what I'm doing. They're always asking why. Mm -hmm. Always. Years. And it's I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. I get frustrated because all I'm looking for is love and support in what I'm doing. And all I get is, why are you doing this? Why do you do that for? Almost like it's a negative effect to what is, is it okay? feel good. Is it, is, it, is it okay if I make a suggestion? It's more than okay. No, exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> this, is the, this, is the pain, this is the pain program kicking in where to, 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 to get love and, and to get what you want, your program tells you, you need to get pain first. And what if I told you that the way that they were communicating these why questions to you was their form of love and support? In their model of the world. Huh? Here's the thing, Ree. Here's the thing about switching tables, right? And this is really important. This is the paradox. When it comes to growth and it comes to the level of growth that people want to experience, if you choose to experience a high level of growth, you are going to leave people behind to, to stay on your mission. And more importantly, 
it's your job to recognize that when you grow, some people will get offended. Some people will support you. Both hold you back. Let me repeat that. <laughs> some people will get offended, give you shit. Yeah. Try and hold you back. And a lot of people will support you and they both hold you back for a period of time. The reason being is because when the people get offended, if our projection's not clear, we try and appease them. So we start coming back down to their level to start feeding them what they need. So they stop whinging and complaining because we take it personally. The people that support us, we feel so, so much love for it, right? We get that connection. We get that hit that we come back down to their level and feel the need, notice the word need to spend time there and appease them and return the favor because we feel guilty at receiving love and not giving it. And so both hold you back on the journey of growth. And this, I get, this is a controversial statement. Mm. And this is one of my biggest lessons that if you have a big dream and you want to grow far and you want to grow fast and you want to really like push through the levels, you have to recognize that both hold you back. Now that doesn't mean that you leave them, that you leave them and you do, and you cut everyone from your life. That means you become consciously aware that you as the human may be feeling the need to, to, to somehow like, um, return the love to somehow like come back down to that level and now and now connect with them and appease them mm. because of something inside you so once you become conscious of that you can communicate with them you can give them the love and 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 the support that they need still however without without it being a need meaning that you can continue to grow you can continue what you're doing and still have relationships with the people who are choosing to stay at to stay where they are without it affecting your growth but if you choose not to recognize where you are going back to sit down at that level that you're trying to leave, then you'll just continue playing in that same loop and that same paradox. And this is why people are so scared to leave their table and go to the next one because they don't realize that it's not just the people who are, who are offended, but it's the people who support them that often are the one are holding them back the most. And by the way, this is another practice that's been trained when we're younger so from zero to seven is the modeling stage when we learn most of our things unconsciously and we uh learn the abilities and we learn un unconditional love right but as soon as we go from seven onwards from that point on we get exposed to the rest of society and when we say changing tables there's a metaphor in there as well there's there's a very very clear transition or a clear idea that all of us have gone to school, right? And maybe high school is when you remember this best. But do you remember sitting with a group at a table and they became your collective friends at lunchtime? And you generally wouldn't leave that table, right? So we've trained ourselves to collect this affection and collect this group and this guardianship and this, this community and this way of affection between people from that, that positioning in our younger life when we we're exposed to the rest of society and we've had to learn and practice these abilities and whatever we learned and create whatever strategies that we programmed ourselves through that stage of our life has now translated into the future, the future of our life now um, that we practice every single day because they're strategies that we've told ourselves that work.
and the feedback mechanism in, in a sense of neurochemicals and, and the biology and what we're feeling becomes what makes us feel comfortable and what makes us feel safe. And it doesn't mean that it's an efficient strategy that you want to take with you. You know, you, you, you don't want to have to feel pain to feel love. You don't want to have to feel pain to feel growth. It, it's not, these things aren't necessary, but they're created when, when we're really young and, and most people take these strategies with them for the whole entire life. And so, yeah, like it, it's true. Like the, the changing table conversation is really important. And something that we really learned in a big way recently is that to, to really grow and to really like push through all of these things quickly and not have to go through a gigantic journey and make all the mistakes yourself, you need to pay for access. If you're not, if you're not prepared to A, ask for what you want and B, invest in yourself and actually pay like actually pay the money to invest in yourself and pay to access that higher table that you want to go to then how do you then what are you expecting to get exactly because you get what you put out right and people it's funny right it's like it's funny when you get into business people have the highest expectations on the cheapest products so you sell something for for 20 bucks or 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, the expectation at which the people who are looking in that price range have when they pay that money is astronomical in comparison to the expectation of what somebody has when you pay 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 for something. And the reason is because of the difference of the survival state and the comfort, right? Is when you're acting from a point of survival and where you think where you have needs that are consistently ruling your life, you're looking for so much more and you're not prepared to actually invest in yourself. Exactly. You know, like I, like, so my coach, my coach is, is, is $25,000, right. For, for, for six months, once a week. And at that level, you like the, the mind of, of people who don't invest almost anything in themselves at that level, the thought process is, whoa you must get so much stuff you must have to do so much homework like that's crazy man i'll walk away with like three tiny little dot points i walk away with all my questions answered conversation lots of confirmation and i walk away with three what seems like very basic things mm -hmm. and they're the three things that absolutely are my absolute fundamental lessons and fundamental needs for that week and they have the biggest change they create the biggest waves in my life. So less is more. And it's, and it's, it's really interesting to understand that it's like, <laughs> again, if you're not prepared to pay for access, then you're not going to change the level of, of conversation that you're having. You're not going to change the level of thinking that you're having. And that the less you're willing to pay, generally the more needs you have made up <laughs> to, 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 to allow you to find the energy to, to pursue growth. Yeah, exactly. How how good is it when you you pay for like a free, like well you don't pay you get a free product. It's it's like it was ninety seven dollars and now it's zero dollars today, right? And you download it and it's like sixty thousand pages of PDF documents. Did you not just unconsciously tell yourself to get something free because it's not worth any value to you because you're never going to do it and you've just given yourself another excuse to not move forward and not be committed. Whereas if you pay $25,000 and then it sits in your inbox with the other 26 <laughs> free yeah. things and $1 things and $9 things that you paid for that 
you told yourself you would use that you didn't. So when you truly understand that money is not money, it's energy, then when you put that $25,000 down on yourself, when you put whatever monetary value down on yourself, that energy then becomes commitment. And the more commitment that you have, everyone would argue that the more successful you're gonna be. So what if you could put more commitment behind you that's pushing you forward, more energy behind you that's pushing you forward? Wouldn't that allow you to be more successful, more happy, more energized, more everything that you wanna be? Because now not only do you have the energy behind you pushing forward, but it's pushing you towards your purpose. Because it's like, it's your projection, right? It's like what, what you put out is what you get back. So if you spend a dollar on something, then you're putting out, I want a dollar of value back. So that's what you're going to find. Exactly. If you put $10, 10, if you put a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars, does this make sense? So it's like, when I, when I put the money down, the 25K for, for coaching, and previously to that, the, the most I'd spent, uh, invested on myself was 5K in one chunk, right? When I, when I put 25 down, I didn't actually have the money. However, when I, the moment I walked out of that, the scope of what I was aiming for and inviting into my life broadened. And now I look and straight away, I'm looking for opportunities and opportunities are coming to me that are equal to the value at which I put in myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, how do I make $20,000, $25,000, $30,000 now in, in, in like, you know, in a chunk and the opportunities that are coming at us like match the value almost perfectly. Like it's really interesting. So like what you're prepared to put in is directly linked to what you're going to get back from the universe. So if you don't put in, if you're not prepared to pay for access and put and put into yourself, then you're just going to keep getting the same thing back. It's like a great example of this is, is one of my idols and a lot of people on the planet right now, Elon Musk. He is in the very, very near future in 2026, very likely going to have, um, astronauts on Mars, right? And this is because his effort is directly proportional to the commitment that he's put towards it, right? He wasn't he wasn't like launching little uh, $50, $50 baby rockets like from a little, from his backyard, right? He put all of his money, all of his time, all of his energy and all of his investment into risking it all twice. And he, he crashed three, yeah, he crashed three of the rockets. Um, and basically on the last one before he was successful, he put all of his own personal money on it as well. All of his energy, all of his commitment. And now he's more than likely going to be the most wealthy entrepreneur on and off the planet. You know, and that's the kind of commitment that it takes to be able to get what you want. Every week, <laughs> I, so every week I go to, um, I go to circles, I, I go to, I'm learning about epigenetics and um, doing clearings and stuff. And there's always something that I'm doing and, and they're all free, but at the same time, I make sure that I'm showing up for it. But I know also that that's keeping me at that same table too, that in order to get to the next table, which is what I want to do. I need to invest more in myself. I feel that. Yeah. yeah. And trust and trust that that energy you put out when you make that investment will return the energy. So you may not have necessarily have the money right now, 
for example, and 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 when you choose to put that money up there and 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 you trust the process, the energy will go out. You'll give messages to the quantum, and the quantum will deliver you that value back and some. Mm. And so it's an investment. It's it. The idea of it is you invest it and it grows. And so you from, from this point of investment and you realize like, okay, shit, like the more I'm prepared to put in, the more I'm going to get back. You, you really do start to realize that that's exactly how the quantum works. Yeah. And, and it's true, Reed, like you, you are, you are like, it is like the table conversation is just so relevant because, because you've got to look, you have to look at, look around at the table and look at, and look at how much other people are investing, you know what I mean, around you and know that whether you think you are or not, if you're spending a lot of time at the same table, you are the average of, of, of all of those people there, right? Like you are the average of those, of those five people. And so to break that, to break that and go to the next level, the investment has to go up as well. You know what I mean? Like a, like a billionaire doesn't keep investing this, the first $10 that they invested. Do you know what I mean? They started with 10 and then a hundred and then a thousand and 10,000, a hundred thousand. And then they're investing millions, right? Because, the return on investment is equally proportionate to what they're going to put in because it's all energy at the end of the day. And you can still find that investment outside of money as long as you understand that your investment is energy and the energy has to be directly proportional. So it, it doesn't always have to be money. However, it has to be something that you value on an, on an energetic level at the same level at the amount of money we're talking about, if that makes sense. Money is just a perfect measure because our whole life as human beings is measured on the value of money. It is. And so unconsciously, right, that 95% of our brain is consistently comparing the value of our life to how much money we're, is going out and coming in, going out and coming in. So it just makes sense to use it as a measurement tool and see it as energy. And then you can start finding other ways to, to invest yourself in, 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 in what you're doing. However, for most people, money is the most powerful investment. It, it, truly, it truly is because we link it directly to survival and success. Yeah. That free, if to be free, to have complete freedom, we don't want to have to think about how we're going to pay our bills and how we're going to put food on the table and how we're going to pay our mortgage and where we're going to live. And on earth, <laughs> you do that by, 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 by collecting the energy of money to create freedom. And it really just comes down to, again, this idea that we're binary beings. We're, we're either zero or we're one. We're yes or we're no, we're black or white. Do you want to reproduce the same behavior and remain comfortable? Which is completely fine, by the way. It's completely fine. As long as you're happy. As long as you're happy, which is the purpose of life, beautiful. then beautiful. Or do you want to take the option B where you are going to challenge yourself and evolve? There's only ever two options. There really is. And this is why it becomes so simple for you and for everyone. We can add as much story and as much fluff to all of this as we want, but it's, do you want to stay here or do you want to move? Do you want to stay on the same table or do you want to move? And are you prepared to pay for access? <laughs> yeah. And when you pay for access, you get to skip all the mistakes yeah. and you get to learn from someone who's made them all themselves. Big time. <laughs> yeah. I was just smiling just then, just because uh, for a moment there, you two were in sync, like <laughs> two different, two minds coming together. 
and uh, you were saying exactly word for word I was like wow that's why you two are working together <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're receiving it from the same thing I think <laughs> yeah like uh, sometimes like when you're talking um I can feel it the energy and then all of a sudden Craig you kind of just like I was saying this before you just uh you come in and it's just like the mechanics of everything and it's just the way mm -hmm. that my brain works and so I've, I've always pushed that other part of me because I didn't think that I I felt things in the sense of I was just so structured and I, I like systems and I like how things work and I didn't think that was a part of me anymore but the way that you're talking I can feel both at the same time and it's like it's insane um, what if I what if I told you that yeah what if I told you that I had this exact same experience the same feeling of feeling insanely kinesthetic and feeling everything and at the same time feeling nothing and what I come to realize is that it is literally a paradox it's the infinite symbol that you're sitting right on the edge of the mechanic and if you are super mechanical, then logic to you is your intuition. So for a dynamic intuition and understanding that space and that, dy that dynamic side of, 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 of reality is their intuition. But for a mechanical person, in a lot of ways, it's, it, it's the logic on this, this other, other complete side that is your form of intuition, right? And that's how you hack into reality from your own your own method from your own your own source and for us mechanic and dynamic is we call it a spectrum right because it's very specifically it's not a box we're only allowing people to understand where they are on the spectrum in this time and this space and from there just like a map if i gave you a map and i didn't put a pin where you are and where you're going the map would be useless to you so this idea is that we've all been given a map and the idea is that if I can put a pin on where you are, whether you're mechanical or whether you're dynamic, now you have an understanding of where you are on the map and then from there you can learn where you want to go, your destination, which is your purpose, which is your drive, which is your mission. So we're just elaborating on this so that people can know where they are and then they can shift and they can change where they want, want to learn because for myself and James, we're so far on the end of the spectrum that he's so dynamic and I'm so mechanical. And in understanding our communication methods now, we've trained ourselves that I can become very dynamic and he can become very mechanical. And they're superpowers. And they're full on superpowers. So learning the range of flexibility is how we achieve what we achieve. Mm. Well, let's do it, Ree. We should let next week, let's do a, a 20 minute a 20 minute video and we'll do the mechanic dynamic spectrum test with you. Yeah. And we'll do the, the predicates test, the primary representational system test as well. It'd be a really cool thing to, to show your audience and just be like, Hey guys, like this is, this is what they were talking about in, in that episode. If you're keen, we'll, uh, we should set oh, that I'm, up. I'm very. <laughs> so we do, we do have to run in a couple of minutes and I would like to leave you with this as, as somebody who is clearly, clearly um, identifies quite heavily with the mechanical side and just, just following onto that conversation. And as a mechanic, it can be tough because you're looking for logic. 
However, understanding and remembering that our mind works on plausibility, not logic, is a very liberating, very important detail. And so NLP is super cool because it works in the world of plausibility. It understands that your mind can make a belief out of anything. You know how many beliefs you have and, or, and feelings you feel and emotions you experience and you go like, and it makes no sense. You know how that stuff happens where you're like, I can't, how do I believe, why am I feeling this? How do I believe that? Like, it's, it's dumb. It's so silly. You know, you, like, and it's because your brain works on plausibility, not logic. If it's plausible, your unconscious mind goes, okay, cool, makes sense, let's do it. And, and it sticks. So, so the difference between NLP and psychology in a really big way is psychology works with logic where one plus one equals two a, a lot of the time, and I am generalizing, one plus one equals two, whereas NLP works with plausibility. It goes into the model of the world of the person and it shows the person that like, hey, like this was created because your mind thought that that was plausible and that's great. So now let's give your mind something else that's plausible. And then your mind goes, oh, well, if that's plausible, then I don't need that anymore. So we'll go with this. Mm -hmm. So as a mechanic, understanding your mind and understanding that you're a mechanic and you're, you're naturally predisposed to look for logic, this is really important information because you can consistently remind yourself, you know what? Like my mind runs from off plausibility or, or my beliefs are built on plausibility, not actually logic. And so you can help to rewind yourself and bring yourself back to center in those times where you're frustrated because you're looking for logic when maybe logic doesn't exist. Maybe all you need is plausibility. And to back that up very quickly, this is why very logically placebo and nocebo exist. We create these chemicals based off thought. So if you can create chemicals in your body based off thought, what else can your body do? And as soon as you understand that, then you can realize that you can do whatever you want within your body. You are an internal chemistry, uh, an, an internal chemist. Because everything external, when we take uh, caffeine, when we have our coffees, when we, when we ingest all of these things, it's not actually the external thing that affects us. It's the external thing that activates something internal in us that chemically changes us. So this is why all of these um, factors are so important. You can create whatever you want. You literally can. Good. Love that. <laughs>